It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Buckeyes now on Sports Illustrated continues our coverage of the Ohio State Buckeyes and frankly of the entire college football landscape here this morning with Brian Driscoll from Irish Breakdown here on the Buckeye Breakdown podcast. Glad to have Brian with us, who certainly covers uh, Notre Dame with a fine-tooth comb, but I don't know too many people that follow the pulse of college football the way Brian does. And so uh, in addition to the fact that this is kind of an obvious uh, way to bring Brian in and and talk about the major impact that Notre Dame, uh, frankly, is having, could continue to have on this entirely rapidly uh, changing landscape in college football, uh, I, I certainly want to pick his brain on that, but also maybe pull back the curtain a little bit and, and try to look at uh, college football as a whole uh, as well. So, Brian, thanks for taking some time this morning, and um, maybe we should just dive in right away with Notre Dame since that's your Yeah, point. let's do it, man. I appreciate you having me on, Brendan. I look forward to – you know, obviously I love talking Notre Dame, but I love talking college football, man. And, and uh, you know, so we got all types of – a deep array of topics, so I'm, I'm excited, man. Let's dive right in. Let's get to this. So Notre Dame is is kind of the elephant in the room because I think there's there isn't a conference in the country that wouldn't want to add the Fighting Irish, uh, and by the same token, I'm not convinced as as a you know non Notre Dame fan or or uh, insider, I'm not convinced it's even in Notre Dame's best interest to leave its independence, especially if the college football playoff field is going to expand at some point. Um, I think that makes it easier for them to get into the field. They've obviously been to the playoff before, including recently. Um, they've got a great TV deal with NBC. So so let's hear it from your perspective. Either tell me why I'm wrong or why you agree. Uh, what what is the best course of action for Notre Dame in this in this uh, you know changing landscape of college football? I guess it depends on what you're looking at. I mean, the the best course for Notre Dame, if all we're doing is looking at where can they make the most money, the answer, is what it's been for a decade. That is join a conference. Sure. You know, Notre Dame makes fewer, fewer, they make the lowest amount of all. If you take the 65 power five teams, including Notre Dame, there's not a single power five team that makes less money off TV than Notre Dame, not one yet. Notre Dame still a top five producer of revenue for sports because of the fact that their independence drives revenue. that can't be factored into a necessarily a strict budget where you say, Hey, look, they're getting this much from under armor and this much from NBC and this much from the ACC. You know, it's funny is when they joined a conference last year, they made more money off TV last year than they would have if they'd have stayed independent with their original schedule. But that's not why Notre Dame is independent. It's not about the TV money. Notre Dame has an uh, over $11 billion endowment for a school that has 8,000 students, you know, that the independence is one of the things that makes Notre Dame unique. It's one of the things that drives people to spend money on Notre Dame boosters and, but also fans. And it's something that is a part of their DNA. And that's something that they've chosen to do. And, you know, the interesting thing when you hear the pushback from fans of other teams and other conferences is, well, you know, Notre Dame wants to go do their own thing. They want to be like, well, Notre Dame, when last time Notre Dame won a national title, they were one of over 30 independent teams. Notre Dame hasn't changed in 70, 80 years. It's everyone else that changed and went chasing dollars. 
So Notre Dame just was able to do it on their own. They didn't need to go join the SEC like South Carolina did or the ACC like Florida State did and or the SEC like South Carolina did or the Big Ten like Penn State did. I mean, when Notre Dame won a title in 1988, four of the top five teams at the end of the year were independents. Notre Dame was one, Miami was two, Florida State was three, and West Virginia was five. They were all independents. And, uh, you know, so as the college football landscape shifted, and that was a pretty seismic shift back then, not much different than what we're seeing now from just the number of teams that could potentially be involved. I mean, you saw all the movement for teams joining leagues, Big East, ACC, then the Big East goes away and all those kind of things. We've been here before. Notre Dame has always worked to position themselves to remain independent. And I think right now, I think the way that Jack Swarbrick um, will get in the college football realignment, the way that he kind of positioned Notre Dame there, the way that Notre Dame is positioned from a scheduling standpoint, uh, I, I think they're going to be okay to stay independent. I think the only thing that would factor into Notre Dame not being independent is if they couldn't schedule anymore. I think that would be the challenge. If you know, if if teams said, "Hey, look, um, we're not going to play you because you know, let's let's see the SEC goes to the Super Conference, right? Sixteen teams, eighteen teams. Let's say they add a couple more, whatever the case may be, and they say, "Hey, look, we're going to play ten conference games." No one's going to schedule Notre Dame at that point in time. I think that would be when Notre Dame would kind of get into a pickle and say, "Hey, look, you know what?" Um, we're going to have to join a conference just to be able to have a schedule, which is what we saw this year during the COVID year. The other factor of that too, Brennan, would be if Notre Dame decided, fine, college football is changing as we know it, we're going to be the leaders of it. And then they go out and try to to drive some movement. They join the ACC and, and say, hey, we're going to not only join the ACC, but we're going to go out and try to bring somebody with us and and really make this go. I think that would be the only other thing, but that would just be because Notre Dame chose it's time for us to do this, but it's time for us to be the leader of this whole thing. I, I think Notre Dame holds a lot of the cards here from that perspective because if they are forced into joining a conference the way you've kind of laid out, um, you know that they're they're from everything I've read and from everything I understand that they are um, sort of obligated to to look ACC first, second, third, and fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if they could join a different league. Uh, and frankly, the ACC needs them more than anybody else because the TV <laughs> deal sucks. And and the schools in the ACC in the next four years uh, are probably going to be making half of what schools in the Big Ten and the SEC are. Um, I think it's going to become a, a major competitive disadvantage for the schools in that league. And, and you know, they've got a first-year commissioner who everybody in that conference seems to speak pretty highly of in, in Jim Phillips. Um but much like his counterparts in the Pac-12 and in the Big Ten, Jim Phillips has not yet uh, negotiated a TV rights deal, and he might not have a chance to do that for a while because their deal is not set to expire until 2036. They're kind of locked into a, a pretty awful contract there. So adding Notre Dame to the ACC could change everything for that league. But shy of that, I think the ACC is in some trouble here. Um, and, and you know, again, I think that's sort of why I think the – that Notre Dame holds the cards here in this situation because, you know, their independence from my perspective, again, their independence is, is continuing to work in their favor. Yeah, Um, of course. Yeah. And, and look, it's kind of interesting because, well, number one, as far as Notre Dame joining the ACC, they are contractually obligated until 2036 to join the ACC if they join a league, but Texas and Oklahoma were contractually obligated to be part of the Big 12 until 2025, and I don't think that's going to happen, right? There's there's significant penalties, but let's – look, Notre Dame in the last six or seven years has spent over about a billion dollars on 
renovations towards their athletics program. You know, half a million dollars on the upgrades to the facilities, which also included some, uh, you know, some classrooms and things like that. But they just spent, you know, a couple hundred million dollars on building a new indoor facility, you know, the turf field. They, they've spent a ton of money. If Notre Dame needed, you know, $80 million to get out of the ACC to join the Big Ten, if that's what they wanted to do, that they could raise that money no problem. <laughs> I mean, that's sure. that's not really the issue. It's about whether or not they would want to do that. And I, I think there's a reason Notre Dame joined the ACC because I think there's a lot more like-minded institutions to Notre Dame in the ACC. And I'm not saying academically as, as a shot to the Big Ten teams. It's more of Notre Dame's a small private school. There aren't any small private schools in the Big Ten. They're all big public schools. No, Northwestern. Right, except for them, but they're kind of a sore thumb, right? They stick out like a sore thumb. If you look at the ACC, there's Virginia, there's Miami. Again, Miami football-wise is one thing. Miami academically is a completely different animal. Right. Uh, there's Duke, there's there's North Carolina. There's it's, it's a lot more of a like-minded school. And the other thing that people have to understand is there's nothing that the Big Ten can do for Notre Dame from the standpoint of what advantage does being in the Big Ten give Notre Dame? There's no geographical recruiting advantage. Notre Dame can already recruit the Midwest. Right. They're not going to go into Ohio and beat Ohio State for five-star kids because they're in the Big Ten. If anything, it'd be the opposite effect. Uh, so the ACC, it gives them access to the entire East Coast from Miami all the way up to Boston as far as you know, access to, hey, we're going to play in Virginia every year now. We're going to play in North Carolina every year now. Where are the population shifts in America happening right now, Brendan? It's the East Coast. It's North Carolina. It's Virginia. It's Georgia. And those are areas that Notre Dame is going to tap into that the Big Ten couldn't give them. So that's a big reason why Notre Dame joined the ACC. Those two factors are really what went into it. And and that's why I think if Notre Dame was going to join a conference, that would be it. But also to your point, Notre Dame kind of likes, let's be honest, they kind of like being different. And they like kind of being an individual. And if they're going to join the ACC, it would be for something like you mentioned, which is, hey, the ACC needs us now, right? So we have all the power. We have all the bargaining chips on our end, right? And people are like, well, why would the ACC do what they did and give Notre Dame a schedule? They could have held that against – look, Notre Dame would have gladly played BYU schedule for a year if it meant they stayed independent. That's what people don't understand is Notre Dame would have gladly played a BYU schedule. And if they'd have gone undefeated, they still would have made the college football playoff. Because here's the deal. The ACC was still contractually obligated to play them five times. They were going to get five ACC games last year. Sure. Uh, because that's the other thing is the ACC is contractually obligated to Notre Dame through 2036. So they got to play at least five games. So Notre Dame would have gladly played that schedule if it meant in 2021 they could get back to being independent. So the ACC needed to do that to, to give a note, an, uh, an olive branch to Notre Dame and say, hey, look, we had your back. You know, look, we, we, we looked out for you. We want you. And I think it was a, a tremendously smart move by John Swafford. It was just, to me, one more step towards the what I believe is is eventually going to be inevitable, which is Notre Dame joins a conference. And if it will be because of what the ACC did, Notre Dame's never going to forget that. And, and here, here's the thing you got to remember. Notre Dame still plays Navy every year, and that's not going to change because of what Navy did for Notre Dame back in the 40s, which is stepping up to the plate. And essentially, Notre Dame exists still exists as an institution because of Navy stepping up. And giving them students when, you know, a lot of Notre Dame students were drafted because Notre Dame was an all-boys school at the time. And Notre Dame is, has never forgot that. Notre Dame's not joining the Big Ten because of what happened 80 years ago. Notre Dame has a very long memory. And what the ACC did for Notre Dame is something that I, I believe they're never going to forget. And so when it does come conference time, I, they're going to join. If they're going to join a conference that exists now, it's going to be the ACC. 
Well, Notre Dame in the ACC certainly would make some sense. Um, and, and even from a geographical perspective, uh, it, it seems to fit a little bit, even though they're a bit removed, you know, sort of from the East Coast. But that's kind of the direction I want to take this conversation here next. I, I read something last night that I want to regurgitate here. It's it's a, a couple of quick sentences from G. Allen Taylor in The Athletic. Um, it, it, it hit home for me so deeply. This is exactly how I feel about college football. He writes, college football needs regionalism. It feeds off proximity. Is it not more memorable to raz a coworker from a rival school than to troll someone behind an anonymous avatar? There's intrinsic value in personal interactions. They're generational. That is exactly how I feel about college football. And I've read a lot of things lately about you know, how perhaps the Big Ten will counter this potential move of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, and perhaps the Big Ten should go poach USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. And while I understand the merits of that argument, I hate the idea of it because I, I there's nothing personal about, you know, playing teams that are 2,000-plus miles away. I just – I don't like that, and and I really hope that this Texas and Oklahoma move to the SEC is not the first domino that falls uh, in a line where conferences become completely geographically nonsensical. Am I off base on that? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, what we've seen in the last year or two is we've seen a lot of the traditions of Cogs football, things that make Cogs football great, are just quickly just being dismantled, and and the SEC which prides itself on on the geographicness of more than anyone, you know, SEC, it matters more, all this other nonsense that those people talk about. Um, you know, they're the ones that's, that's the ironic part of it is they're the ones that are taking this big swing. Cause look, they don't have, they don't need Texas and, no. and Oklahoma. I mean, they, they they're, they're going to, they just signed this huge deal with ESPN right so they're, they're, their schools are going to be far surpassing even what the big 10 makes now and they don't need that it's all about greed right it's about well yeah but we can make even more if we get texas and oklahoma you know rivalries be damned uh it making sense on a map be damned uh all of that be damned because it's we can make the most amount of money this way and that's what makes this kind of ironic that it's that conference that puts so much on i mean <sighs> You know, like the Big Ten, for example, is the one conference, the Big Ten and the Big Eight, and then became the Big 12, are the two conferences that in their name, there is nothing geographic about their name, right? right? They're ones that could actually do that. Yet all these conferences with these names now, you know, are, are going to stop making any sense. You know, uh, Atlantic Coast Conference wants to go get a team from South Bend, Indiana. You know, what what, what they they border Lake Michigan, right? I mean, <laughs> they're not on the Atlantic coast, you know, and, and the Southeast conference just went and got Texas and, and Oklahoma. What are they Southeast of Alaska? You know, I mean, it, it just, it, uh, all this doesn't make sense. It's all about money. It's all, it's all basically just the, the bottom line that the, 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 the money aspect of it is really just like, ah, we don't care about all those traditions anymore, you know? And, you know, and in Texas and the big 12, I mean, look, this shouldn't surprise anybody. Texas has been looking for a way out of that conference for a decade, if not longer. They tried to, you know, they they made that little run at, at the Pac-12 a few years ago, and 
you know, it, it, it's just it, it ticks me off because, look, I'm a, I'm a capitalist. I'm all for people trying to maximize their opportunities. But at some point in time, you're just being greedy at this point in time. Texas already is the number one revenue producer in college sports. I mean, they're literally number one. You, you right. don't need this extra 12 to 20 million dollars that you may get from a, a TV deal. And people say, well, you know, well, look, the Big 12 couldn't generate more money. Well, part of the reason the, gener- the Big 12 couldn't generate more money is because they were all foxes and all these people concerned that. We signed a deal with you. Texas is going to leave, which is in the, in the Longhorn Network. Texas is the reason they couldn't get more money. Yep. And and uh, you know, and then they want to complain about how well you know we, we make more money that way. Well, yeah, you could have made more money that way if you weren't you. You know, and so that's why I have a lot of disdain for Texas. You. And and you know, now my one of my least favorite teams that I that you know again not from a coaching standpoint. I love Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, I. You know, Notre Dame traveled down to Austin a few years ago to play them. Their fans were really good. It's more of the leadership aspect of it is what I'm referring to. And then, of course, the SEC. I mean, I, I don't think Mike – I don't think this would have happened this way under Mike Sly, you know, because they had that they had that gentleman's agreement where, you know, we've heard people talk about this. Texas A&M had a right to say no to Texas, and Florida has a right to say no to Florida State, and Clemson, South Carolina has a right to say no to – to to Florida, you know, to uh, Clemson joining and and Georgia Tech or Georgia has the right to say no to Georgia Tech, and that's out the window because they right. literally went behind Texas A&M's back. So just the way that even that they went about it was just, um, I mean, just a total slap in the face to everything that makes college football unique. And they're in the process of just another thing that they're looking to destroy that that made this game so special. And that's my big concern is. All of a sudden, there may not be the money involved in it down the road because, you know, look, look at the NFL. I mean, they still make a ton of money, but they've lost, you know, things that they've done to kind of take away from what makes the NFL unique. They've lost. Um, you well, look at the and- NBA is another one. I mean, you look at the NBA final rankings now and compare them to just when Jordan was playing. I mean, you, you significantly less despite being in a bigger country. I mean, just all those type of things. That it's not guaranteed that football fans, college football fans are going to stay around. I think part of the reason why college football fans are as passionate as they are goes back to, you know, uh, somewhat of I of what I mentioned earlier. I mean, it, it's it's familial, right? It 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 feels deeply ingrained that you know, hey, my dad went to such and such school, and and you know, so that's why I chose to go there. And my little brother broke off from the family and he went to the other school that's nearby. And now we're, you know, uh, a house divided. Um, like those are the things that make college football so freaking fun. And I, I just don't want to see it get away from that. And, and you know, I have a hard time believing that the almighty dollar isn't going to win because we've seen time and time again that it, it continues to win. Um you know, the fact of the matter is programs like Ohio State and like Notre Dame are big enough behemoths that I think they're both going to be fine no matter how this all, um, you know, trickles out, right? There there are going to be some, you know, smaller big name programs that might uh, might be a little bit more worried about all this. You know, I, I don't think any of this is going to impact Ohio State's chances of making a college football playoff appearance or Notre Dame's chances of, of, you know, competing for a national championship. They both have, you know, the same recruiting advantages of, um, you know, the history and tradition within their own programs. Ohio State recruits heavily based on the fact they're in a big city. They've got an incredible social media presence. 
um, you know, the, the, the NFL tradition at both schools, the branding ability now with all the name, image and likeness stuff. I mean, they're still going to be able to recruit the best kids in the country. They're, they're still going to have incredibly passionate fan bases, but some of what makes college football special, I'm afraid, uh, is, is going to start to fade away. Even if some of the, the monetary value of a potential super league, uh, is there. Brendan, look, the reality is, is a lot of these moves have been good for Notre Dame. I mean, the sure. expanded playoff is good for Notre Dame. I mean, you say, well, they can't get a, they can't get a uh, top four seat. Okay, so Notre Dame gets to host a playoff game every year in South Bend, Indiana, in September or in, in December. <clears throat> That's a plus for Notre Dame. That's a money maker, right? right? Yep. And as Jack Swarbrick said, now we get to eliminate all the the nonsense talk about. You know, Notre Dame doesn't play a 13th game, even though the SEC that uses that data point, it's always like Furman or, you know, Mercer or something like that is their 13th game, you know. But, you know, that, that's a different different conversation for a different day. But, you know, and if Notre Dame is an undefeated team like they've been the two – well, they were undefeated the first time they made the playoff. They went 10-1 and one this year, lost the ACC title game. They're, they're still going to be a 5-6 seed, which means they get, they get the, what, the 3-4 seed in the second round. So it's still a plus for them. A lot of these things have been good for Notre Dame. The name, image, likeness stuff, it's good for Notre Dame. I mean, let's be honest. There's schools in a part of the country that are already giving players money. Well, now programs like Notre Dame and Ohio State and Michigan can compete with that because now we can give you money too. We're just going to be able to do it legally. Sure. And there's there's not a bigger brand than Notre Dame. And I know that a lot of non-Notre Dame fans don't like to hear that, but it's the truth. There's, there's not a bigger brand when you look at just the scope of around the country worldwide than Notre Dame. There, there just isn't. And there's a lot of people that don't have an opinion on the SEC. There's nobody that doesn't have an opinion on Notre Dame, good or bad. There's nobody that doesn't have an opinion on Notre Dame. And so that's something that they can utilize. But, again, I still look at it from just because it's good for Notre Dame doesn't mean it's good for college football. And that's really ultimately where it comes down to because then if the game of college football gets cheapened, then everybody feels that. No matter, no matter what. And, you know, to your point, I, I, look, you talk about the regional aspects of it. And, and one of the things that makes the game great is that regional aspect. But I've always felt like another thing that made the game great was the fact that Ohio State would go play UCLA in the regular season or Notre, that Ohio State would go play Notre Dame or they would play Texas. Or they would play USC in the regular season. Uh, but those but it was always the uniqueness of those matchups that made it kind of even more fun. Well, well, now it's just like you've got all these odd teams in your league and it's like, okay, so you're going to go, you're going to go add USC and UCLA. Well, that that's fun now, but that's going to lose its excitement real fast. You know, when it, when it, when, cause it's not just football too. It's like now your, your volleyball team's got to make how many trips out to the West coast for a conference game now, you know? Yep. And, and that's why I'm curious if some of this is going to ultimately come down to, is this going to just be a football thing at some point in time when the NCA goes away, which I think is going to happen sooner rather than later. And because they're going to basically commit uh, institutional suicide with all the stupid decisions they're making, then does this just become a football thing? And then do they have different conferences for different sports? For example, people say, well, when's Notre Dame going to join the Big Ten? My response is they already have. They're already in the Big Ten. They've won two hockey championships in the Big Ten. You know what I mean? So um, yeah. kind of, you know, joking about that. But you know, are we going to see something like that? Are we going to see the Olympic sports and the non, you know, not football and basketball? Are we going to see those kind of go a different direction and say, look, we can't afford to send our our swimming team out to the West coast three, four times a year. Just, but, but here's what I would put back on that is, is there, there is an, um, 
there's a link between football and the Olympic sports that mm-hmm. that really I don't think can ever be broken. Um, if football's making enough money, everybody else on campus, all the other Olympic sports are going to be able to survive. And frankly, um, the Olympic sports at any school should be cheering for their football program success because yeah. that's the source of funding. Um, and it, it starts and ends there. But, but you and I both know that that's assuming that these schools are using the athletic money for athletics. You and I, you and I both know that a big chunk of that money doesn't go towards the sports programs at a lot of these places. Sure. And that's the challenge, right? right. Oh, you, you and I are looking at this from a Notre Dame, Ohio state standpoint for those two institutions. It's not a problem. Right. But as you and I both know, there's a lot of schools that don't use all that money for athletics. There, that's why a lot of schools who are getting these big TV deals still don't pay their coaches a lot of money. <laughs> so they still don't have facilities upgrades. Like you made $40 million last year in TV money alone. What, you know, how, how can you not afford to build, you know, upgrade your locker room? Well, you look at where that money goes. Well, the president bought a new $400,000 wooden desk. You know what I mean? Those kind of things. So, but that's where it comes down to is, is, a lot of these schools use that money and some of them need to use that money. They have to use that money for other things to pay for, you know, uh, scholarships or pay for other things to help their school grow because they don't have the endowment that Notre Dame has or that Ohio state has, or that Michigan has. So it's always an intriguing conversation, but you know, look, that stuff adds up. Those, 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 those bills add up when you're constantly having to make that travel. And, And then also the other part of it too is in football, it's a little easier because, you're, you're traveling once a week. Sure. In some of these other sports, we were playing three, four games a week. You know, I mean, think about a baseball team that's in the big 10, that's got to play half your league is, you know, in th- three time right. zones away. Yeah. It, it makes it a little bit more challenging. And again, these are still supposed to be students, right? I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. They're still supposed to be student athletes. I mean, if you're constantly doing that kind of travel, when exactly are you planning on getting your schoolwork done? <laughs> I mean, you know, if we're going to be honest about it, so, yeah, you know, to me, again, Notre Dame will be fine. Ohio State will be fine, but but that doesn't mean that overall the game is going to be fine. And that that's that's my concern with all of this. Let's get to a couple of, of uh, viewer questions here because they're things I wanted to address too. Um, Nick and Jonathan both are are asking about Big Ten expansion. Nick wants to know if he thinks a Kansas and Cincinnati ad would make sense. Uh, Jonathan is is just asking more broader, you know, is the Big Ten trying to expand as, as a result of Texas and Oklahoma? The, I think the Big Ten is in a really weird spot here because everything inside you screams, do something to, to you know, counter the SEC getting stronger, right? It's like this, it's this arms race of you've got to find a way to not lose ground uh, on your opponent. But the fact of the matter is, right now today, the Big Ten is the oldest and wealthiest conference in college football, and they are the only league that could compete with the SEC on a balance sheet beyond just on the football field. Um, I don't know what schools outside of Notre Dame make a ton of sense to add to the Big Ten. I've read Iowa State. I don't really love it. They've been kind of a flash in the pan historically here with with a good football program lately, but I don't I don't think that adds a ton of value to the Big Ten. Kansas, great basketball program, obviously. Football drives these discussions, and their football program has has been terrible. I mean, truly one of the worst in in college football for a long time. They add no value in this discussion. Um, I think Pitt adds more value than than Kansas does, but. 
I'm not sure why Pitt would leave the ACC. Um, you know, you just you kind of start looking around, and unless you're willing to get out of, you know, the the geographical nature of the Big Ten, I'm not sure who you add. Cincinnati, I love Cincinnati. I think it's it's a a fun town. It's a great environment for college athletics. I think they'd get smoked in the Big Ten repeatedly, even though they've got a good football team right now. Um, I just don't I, I don't I don't see that as a great ad. I don't know if there's other Big 12 schools right now that make sense. I don't think West Virginia is a great fit for the Big Ten, but I guess you'd have to consider them. Um, I, I just think the Big Ten's in a really tough spot here because if they want to add good football programs, they're gonna have to go knock on the door of other power five conferences and try to poach away USC, UCLA, Oregon type schools if you're going to go that far out west, uh, or they're going to have to try to poach away somebody out of the ACC. And I just don't know if that makes a ton of sense. Well, the first thing that 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 people have to understand about this is they're not adding schools for sports. I mean, SEC did not add Texas and Oklahoma because we just want to get two really good football programs in our league. It's about this. Sure. They added a giant TV market to their to their league. I mean, and they if, they if added you look at the remaining schools in the Big Twelve without Texas and Oklahoma. They got a big old piece of humble pie coming, right? Because they're basically the American Athletic Conference. That's hundred percent right. Now, are there are things that they can do, and we can talk about the Big Twelve in a little bit. But let's let's stick to the Big Ten here. You know, I, I, a lot of the suggestions people make make sense if we're just talking sports. You know, sure. adding Kansas to me would make a lot of sense from a sports standpoint, because number one, I do think you can have too many good teams in the conference, if we're being honest, because then you beat each other up and you're knocking each other. That's something that's hurt the Big 12 a lot is the Big 12 has not had a an Ohio State, uh, an Alabama. Oklahoma's been kind of close to that, but, you know, they haven't really done anything when they get to the postseason. Part of the reason is that makes that league good is that, I mean, with the exception of Kansas, you, you get nine teams can beat anybody on any given Saturday. I mean, you think about who Oklahoma's lost to in recent years. Sure. Kansas State, Iowa State, you know, I mean, because that's what makes that league fun. And, you know, you don't necessarily want to add too many really good programs because now you're 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 beating each other up the whole time. But basketball-wise, it would make a ton of sense. I mean, you know, you, you're adding a, a premier program to yeah, a premier conference and all those kind of things, but they're not making decisions based off that. It, bringing in the, the the Lawrence, Kansas market doesn't exactly tap into St. Louis or Kansas City, which are t- the two big regional TV markets, the way that that people think it would. And and that's what it boils down to is what kind of TV market are you bringing in? And, and number one, Cincinnati is not a big TV market. It ranks about 37 to 35 on a yearly basis. And adding Cincinnati is not going to add to your already existing TV market because you, Ohio State already owns that. Right. And so that's where the USC UCLA thing comes into play because well look this is our way of getting the big TV market and so geography be damned history be damned we're going to go do that which would make it interesting that the Big Ten would raid and basically destroy the league that it has a long time rivalry with for the Rose Bowl but the Rose Bowl doesn't mean what it used to mean anymore I mean the bowls do no they like if Ohio State is is if the Rose Bowl is not part of the college football playoff and Ohio State makes a Rose Bowl fans are disappointed right I mean because well it's not the playoff we didn't make the playoff and that's one of the things I hate that's why I came up the proposal I did as far as if you want to expand the playoffs and do it this way go back to the old bowl system and then pick your four after that 
uh, you know, because that's another tradition that we've kind of destroyed is, is the, those bowl tie-ins, but, but that get, get distracted with that. But that's the position that the big 10 is in is do you, do you add just to add, are you going to really allow the sec to dictate those type of moves? I'd say, no, don't, uh, I would say, Hey, look, go join those other conferences and, and, you know, be a leader, help those conferences build themselves up, you know, don't, don't be a part of this greed process that the SEC is doing because I don't think there's, again, unless you can go get Notre Dame, which if you can do that, then do do what you got to do, right? But unless you're going to add Notre Dame, who their TV market is the United States of America, right? Sure. Uh, then, then what move makes sense, in, in my opinion? I don't know that that moves out there. And the whole USC thing, that's, that's I mean, that's pie in the sky stuff. I don't see that happening. So I just don't think that they need to overreact to this. I think the ACC needs to expand more than, than the Big Ten does because the ACC needs to add more big markets. They need, to, they need to strengthen their brand more than anything else. Although I do think there's some things the ACC could have that could help them. You know, Miami getting good again, Florida State getting good again, those type of things could help. But I, I don't think the Big Ten needs to expand. I don't think they need to bring in – I mean, I, what does Iowa State do for them? Nothing. What market are you getting by getting Nothing. Iowa State? What no, what what tradition? You're adding Iowa's rival to the league. I mean, what does that really do? I think Cincinnati would be better in the Big Ten than you think they would be, because I think they're already pretty good. They would recruit better being in the Big Ten. They'd be able to go down and get some of the the kids in Florida and parts of the country that they're not able to get right now. I'm not saying they're going to win the Big Ten. They wouldn't get pounded in the Big Ten because they would they would get better but but the point yeah. is, is we we can argue but the point is it doesn't matter because that's not why you're adding a team right Agreed. because it's, you're adding a team for for money that's what this yeah. all is all about yeah. it's you don't need to add a team to expand to you, you're not competing with the, the sec from a football standpoint you know well we need two good teams too that, that that's not the conversation the conversation is right. the next time you have a tv contract up you need to be better positioned because you got this market that market and I don't think those those gets are out there in my opinion. And, and Cincinnati right now, I think they get about twelve million bucks a year, if I'm not mistaken, from their ESPN deal uh, through the American Athletic Conference. Um, you're, you're you're totally spot on uh, in in that analysis. And beyond that, you know, the Cincinnati football right now is in about as good a position as it could possibly be. If there's ever a scenario where Cincinnati makes the college football playoff, they're in it. They didn't beat Georgia last year, and they basically brought back their entire team this year of guys that had they beaten Georgia in the Peach Bowl, maybe they would have said, hey, we beat our Power 5 team on on a big, you know, big bowl stage and and our college careers are over. Instead, they came back. If they run the table this year, considering they're playing two pretty good teams, maybe that's their best argument to get into a four-team playoff. We obviously need to get lucky, but – um, I, I, that, that's not a knock against Cincinnati yeah. football. Um, it, I just don't think long term it would be a good solution in the Big Ten. I don't. It, that's the thing for me. I, I think it would be. I think Cincinnati would add value to that league. I think they they you bring a good basketball program, right? I mean, Cincinnati's been a pretty good basketball program for a long time. They have some tradition there. You have a football program that, to your to your comment, give Cincinnati forty million more dollars a year. And, and, and they're going to build their facilities, they're going to get better recruits, and they're going to be at least Indiana, right? Yep. At least Indiana, if not better. Sure. You know, but but again, that's not what this is about. Beginning Cincinnati, even if Cincinnati maximizes their program and they become 
a, a, a top five Big Ten team. That's they're not competing with Oklahoma and Texas, no. right? They're, they're not moving the needle in that regards. Iowa State, there's a reason Texas and Oklahoma ran away from programs like Kansas and Iowa State, right? I mean, so I don't see what adding those teams that Texas and Oklahoma just said we don't need you is going to do for the Big Ten. So I, I and I think you can also expand to your detriment. I think that's the other thing is you can cheapen your brand by expanding. Sure. Expanding the wrong way does not do good things for you. Uh, no, I, I don't think the last. Money. Yeah, I don't think the last expansion for the Big Ten helped that conference. I don't think adding Maryland and Rutgers did for the Big Ten what you know what some people had hoped it would do. I mean, give you bigger TV markets, but I don't know if it necessarily moved the needle to the degree that all of a sudden your league is stronger because you have Maryland and Rutgers. The way that adding Penn State was a huge boost to that conference when they added Penn sure. State back in the early 90s. So you you can expand, but it doesn't necessarily mean that your conference is going to be better. And I don't see that team out there other than Notre Dame, unless you're going to poach someone that you know, like that that I don't think is going to be poachable for the Big Ten, like a USC. I mean, I think USC and UCLA would make a ton of sense financially. Sure, you're getting the LA market. What is it? A top? It's a top three market, right? Yep, I think it's number two. So, you know, now you'd have you'd have kind of your hooks in two of the the, the two biggest markets, right? Because you kind of got the Rutgers, Penn State kind of gives you some some access to the New New York York market. And then you'd have now access to the LA market. But again, what I I will try to tell Big Ten fans, you think about UCLA and USC, their fans only care about college football when those teams are good. Sure. And even then it's kind of like, yeah, but there's a Raider game on this weekend or there's a Laker game on today. You know what I mean? It's a, it's, it's not a great sports college sports town. It's not. If they're really good, yes, it is. Because they're 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 like Miami Hurricane fans. If if they're bandwagon fans, if they're good, they're all on board. If they're not, then no one's watching the USC Iowa game. If unless USC's a top ten team. The only other thing I would say, if if we're gonna toy around the idea here, just in La La Land with the West Coast, um, you know, Cal and Stanford being generally in the San Francisco market, another big market. Um, Again, not a sports town. Not that's, a, that's the yeah. problem. It, it, it's right. They're not sports towns. I mean, San but Francisco is another top 10 market. With, there's, a, there's a ton of tradition with Stanford, and mm-hmm. um, from an academic profile, those two schools easily fit the Big Ten mold. Um, I have been to Notre Dame-Stanford games where half the stadium is Notre Dame fans. I mean, they just don't care. I mean, you you watch a Stanford. Notre Dame will have more people at a practice. Ohio State will have more people at a practice than Stanford will have at a spring game. I mean, it it's it's a it's a pro town. It first of all, California is not a college sports state. It's just not the way that people think it is. It's a pro state, and you look at it and you know because again, I'm I'm speaking from a little bit of an area of of experience here because Notre Dame plays those two programs year after year, and they're just. They're really fickle places, and, and and they're they're very fickle fan. I mean, Stanford fans don't care. I mean, they care from the standpoint of they'll show up to games and all, but it's just not. It's you're not going to tap into the market the way that people think that you're going to tap into the market. So then you got to balance that with, okay, does this really make our brand better? I think that would be a big a big question for me. Here's a, a comment, uh, and again, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but since we're throwing out a bunch of different hypotheticals, um, what would your thoughts be on if if this whole conversation was based around OU and Texas coming to the Big Ten instead of the SEC? I would That would make more sense to me. 
because you you kind of look at the Big Ten, you, you you get you get Texas, Oklahoma, you know, you got Iowa, you know, Wisconsin. You kind of have that sort of Bible Beltish sort of feel to the West. You know, I think that would that would make some sense. I mean, there's a there's a couple teams from the the West that you could move into the East, no problem. Sure, uh, you can move Purdue and Indiana to the East, no no problem. It, it, something like that. So, I mean, that would have made sense to me. But but again, that would have fit the criteria that I think are important to expanding, which is one one you add a huge TV markets, and two sure. you add good brands, right? Brand power, TV markets, check. So I get why the SEC did it from a pure financial standpoint, but again, th- those two those options aren't out there, and I don't think the Big Ten necessarily needs to expand. I think the focus for the Big Ten is get your brands better, you know, get some of those programs that, that aren't playing football the level you need them to. I mean, I, I think the best thing for Ohio State and the best thing for the Big Ten is for Michigan to be good again. We no, did a show on this not. recently, Brendan, where where we talked about this on our podcast, where we're saying. You know, what's the way for the game to be better? Because I don't like that Alabama dominates it the way that it does. I, I don't like that. I don't think that's good for the game, that you have these two or three programs that are just kind of own college football right now when you look at Clemson and, and, and Alabama. Okay, well, so do some things are good for that. And we, we went through, and, you know, it's why it's good for USC to be good. It's good for my, for the game for Miami to be good because you have those counterweights to Bama and those kind of programs. And, and I feel Michigan is that kind of team. You know, because it, it's good. Every conference needs two powerhouses to be really good. And right now, the Big Ten has one. It's Ohio State and then what, Penn State, right? I mean, and there's a pretty big gap between those two programs. So, in Penn State, what, went losing they record last that, year, yeah. and they were, what, nine and four a couple of years ago. And, yep. you yeah. know, and, and Penn State and Michigan both last year were, I mean, surprisingly bad. Like really, honestly, really I've th- I for the Big Ten last year means nothing to me. Yeah, because it was such a weird year where one minute you don't think you're going to play and the next you are. I understand why some teams are so up and down, but even if you look at before that, I mean, the Penn State's you know they're good. They've had a couple good years, but yep. I mean they're they're not a powerhouse. I mean, heck, the year Penn State won the Big Ten, they didn't even make the college football playoff because they lost no. by five touchdowns to Michigan at the beginning of the year, you know? So the Big Ten needs those brands to get better. They need those teams to get better. That to me is 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 the the biggest thing that you can do is build those brands up, make them healthy. And and I don't see how bringing in Iowa State or bringing in Kansas or or bringing in Texas Tech or Baylor or TCU or doesn't need that. I think the only brands out there that could really help you are USC and UCLA. Because you could sell that tradition too. I mean, look, we have a tradition with the Pac-12. Now we're molding those two traditions together into one con. You could spin that, right? I mean, that you could spin that. But again, I, I don't, I don't think that that's going to move the needle. Because look, if you think about it, you've got the Seattle market in the Pac-12. You've got the LA market in the Pac-12, and yet they're still having trouble getting a good TV deal. Why? Because they they're dealing with the reality of people don't care about college sports on the West Coast except for a couple towns. I mean, Eugene's pretty happened in place, but what pro sport do they have to compete with? Washington doesn't have the kind of uh, the kind of huge fan base that you'd think they would have because it's more of a Seahawks town. I mean, they couldn't keep the Seattle Se- Supersonics there, right? I mean, so you know, these these are big markets, TV markets, but they're not necessarily big sports markets, which why else are we talking about? You talked about San Francisco, L.A., Seattle, three huge TV markets. Yet the Pac-12 has what the second smallest 
right? TV deal right now. Uh, it's the second smallest. Yeah, actually, believe it or not, the Big Twelve has a better TV deal. Right. So why is there is there right. commissioner? Was he just that useless that he couldn't negotiate a better deal? Or is yeah. the reality on the ground? Yes. Well, potentially. <laughs> but see, I, again, I'm not a big Larry Scott fan, but I think a lot of fans and a lot of people don't recognize it. Like, look, these people negotiating these deals on the TV side of it. They they're not just looking at at market size. They're looking at yeah, but look at the number of sports. Look at the sports market. Yeah, you know, and, and that's I mean, you've got you've got Phoenix you in the Pac-12, right? Arizona. So I, I, I they're just not college sports towns. And again, I've been there. I've traveled to those places. Notre Dame has played at Arizona State. They've played at Stanford. They've played at USC. I've been to those places, and I'm just telling you, these are these are. They're big markets, but they're not college towns. And, and at the end of the day, the people that are writing those checks understand that, which is why the Pac-12 has the deal that they have. You brought up um, Michigan and how it would be great for the Big Ten if they figured out a way to, to get their program you know, moving in a better direction here. Um, I don't want to get too far off topic here because we're talking about a, a number of different things, but uh, I appreciate the the viewership questions, and I know a lot of our fan base wants to to know if Michigan can ever catch up. Um, you know, I know you follow recruiting quite quite closely. Look, Ohio State has more five star kids on their roster than the rest of the league does combined, uh, and it's been like that now for for quite a while. It, you know, did they finally get the right quarterback with JJ McCarthy? I guess time will tell. Is Jim Harbaugh the guy to turn that program around? Kind of feeling like no, but. Um, they don't seem to want to part ways with him yet because he was supposed to be the, you know, the, the, the favored son that came home to, you know, uh, right the ship after, you know, years of frustration. Um, I agree with you. The best thing for the big 10 would be for some of the other teams to try to catch up to where Ohio state is now. Um, but they're going to have to do it with rosters that might not quite be as talented because yeah. Ohio state is bringing in, some of the best recruiting classes in the country year after year after year. I don't think it's necessarily Ohio state that they, that they're really competing with at this point in time. It's, it's not just about that. It's about, okay, you're battling against those programs from five to 20 really to get into that top five. If you're losing to Ohio state, but yet you're going 11 and one, 10 and two, you're getting to bowl games, you're beating SEC teams and bowl games, things like that. That's how you grow to the point where eventually you're able to play in Ohio state. I mean, we can get in the star rankings thing, Brennan. You know my stance on star rankings, okay? So we'll need to get into that. But there is a huge talent gap right now. I think right now Ohio State needs to – or Michigan needs to worry about being the best, second best Big Ten team. Then you can focus on Ohio State, right? I don't think Jim Harbaugh is the guy. Uh, I don't think the Jim Harbaugh that existed at Stanford is 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 there anymore. I, I, I don't think that guy exists anymore. Um, I think that when you start looking at some of the moves he's made, they look like acts of desperation. And that rarely works out. Um, it maybe it does, but I mean, I think their issues are so beyond the quarterback that it's 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 not even funny. It's an unhealthy program, and so whether or not Jim Harbaugh can right the ship, uh, we'll see. I mean, look, people are saying very similar things about Brian Kelly after the 2016 season, right? Four and eight, you lost a flipping a three nine Michigan State team, a four and eight Duke team, back to back weeks at home. You know, I mean, you lost a Navy. And then fast forward four years later, and you've got two playoff berths under your belt, right? And and so it, the ship can be righted, but you got to make good moves. And Brian Kelly did that. He hired Matt Bayless to run the strength program. He brought in Mike Elko, brought in Chip Long, brought in Clark Lee. Now he brings in Marcus Freeman. 
But is Jim Harbaugh making the moves to do that? Is Josh Gaddis that guy? Is Sharon Moore that guy as an offensive line coach? Is Coach McDonald, I think his, his name is the defense. I mean, are those the moves that are going to kind of get Michigan back? We'll, we'll see. But, you know, they've recruited relatively well. They've landed good players. It's just you're not you're not getting the most out of those players. To me, that's the bigger issue at Michigan. I mean, you look at some of the teams that have beat them. It's like, yeah, they're not recruiting like Ohio State is, but I know they're recruiting better than that team that just smacked them in the mouth. Right, they, I know they're recruiting they better than have, Rutgers. They should have overtime. lost the Rutgers, I right? Mean, and and they they overtime. Them. Does anyone tell me that Rutgers is recruiting on the same level as Michigan? So, you know that that that's where it's at. Is worry about getting to to the best of what you can be now. That's when you can start getting that player or two that can knock on the door. Because as as you and I both know, a great quarterback can be an equalizer. You know, so if Michigan was healthy and J.J. McCarthy was as good as people say that he is, right? And I'm not saying he is or isn't. I'm just saying, I'm just for argument's sake, he is a five-star, and Michigan was a healthy program. Yeah, I'd feel a lot more confident that Michigan could knock off Ohio State the next couple of years because a quarterback can be, in today's era, can be that kind of difference maker. Take Kyler Murray off that 2018 Oklahoma team and, and put anybody else there, and they're they're not a playoff team, Agreed. right? You take Trevor Lawrence off the 2019 Clemson team, and they're not a playoff team. I mean, you guys saw that firsthand in the playoff. It, Trevor Lawrence had to put that whole team on his shoulders. I mean, yep. Ohio State was better than Clemson at 21 of the 22 starting positions, and that's no shot. That's no knock on Justin Fields, but the best player in the field that day was Trevor Trevor Lawrence. Yep. And and you know, you, it, that's what a quarterback can do. But when your program's not healthy, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's where Michigan is at. This this comment was followed up by a second one that said bad, not great. So I'm not entirely sure what PLL super fan forever means, but I think the Pac-12 uh, TV deal is mediocre at best. Mm-hmm. They they are obviously uh, dominating that time slot. I understand that, but um, there's a lot of people on the on the East Coast and in the in the Midwest that frankly don't give a rip about football right. on the West Coast because. They haven't had programs out there in the last 10 years that are consistently nationally relevant outside of basically one good run from Oregon and Ohio State curb stomped them in the national championship game. Um, so, yeah, they certainly dominate their time slot, but uh, a lot of casual college football fans that are are locked in on their teams in the eastern half of the U.S., they're not really watching Pac-12 after dark. Uh, it, it takes, yeah. you know, the and, and a great TV deal doesn't isn't determined by what time you play. Sure. It's determined by what kind of money are you making? Sure. And they don't have a great I mean, they, they can't even get on. There's certain areas of the of the Pac-12 country that you can't even watch a Pac-12 game because they won't carry the Pac-12 network. Well, and, there's no and, interest in carrying the Pac-12 network. Yep, and FS1, uh, for being widely available, FS1 really hasn't taken off um, as a as a regional network right. um, the, the way some of these other networks have. Right. So, you know, the Pac-12 has some work to do for sure. Right. I think, to fight and, for and it has to – and here's the thing. You look at the Big Ten right now, it's the same thing in the Pac-12. If USC becomes really good or Oregon becomes really good, it doesn't make the Pac-12 strong. Uh a, a league it's like the ACC has I mean the only program that's been able to go toe-to-toe with Alabama with any success in the last decade or last six seven years you know Ohio State had that one really impressive win in the playoff but 
you know, they got smacked the last. I mean, it's Clemson, right? We can all agree on that, that Clemson's really the only team that's been able to kind of go toe-to-toe with Alabama in the postseason and, and have success. You know, they got two wins over them, right? Right. Uh, and then a, one of their losses was by five points in the championship game. So, But the ACC still stinks, right? So one team yeah. doesn't make a league good. It's about getting healthy uh, top to bottom and 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 then having that powerhouse program. So until you, you, you need USC to be good, I mean – for Notre Dame, they need USC to be good. I mean, it's good for Notre Dame that USC's good because you look at their schedule and you say, boy, if USC's not good, that schedule looks a whole lot different. You know, it's like in 2019, for example, Notre Dame played Georgia and, and lost to Michigan, lost them both, and and the schedule was kind of soft outside of that. Well, it, it, it isn't by the name of the teams that they played. It's just those teams weren't good. Stanford wasn't good. USC wasn't good. Those teams were down. It's good for college football when USC's good. But then you also need Washington to be good. You need Oregon to be good. You need – you know, you need UCLA to be good. You need some of those teams to be good because, as I said before, there's a lot of big markets in the Pac-12. Denver's a big market. I used to live in sure. Denver. That's a Denver. That's Denver. That's pro territory. Okay, yep. I, I'm, I've lived there. It's Broncos. It's Avalanche. It's Nuggets. It's in it kind of Rockies a little bit, you know, but it's not a college town. Boulder's not a college town. I'm just telling. I mean, it's a college town from the standpoint of like you know, uh, but not sports. I'm referring to. Sure. So yeah, you've got that market, but it's like, uh, what does it really do for you? You know, um, yeah. I mean, how does a team that has all those uh, conferences, all those big markets, not have a better TV deal? Yeah, because it's no. not—they're not sports towns, or they're not college sports towns, and that matters. I agree. We've talked a little bit about each of these uh, different conferences, but one of the things we haven't specifically brought up is actually from the USA Today, uh, a report published last night that is pretty eye-opening. If you haven't read it, you really need to check it out. Um, it talks about the financial implications of, of Texas and OU going to the SEC and what this is potentially going to mean here within the next couple of years. The crux of it is this. By the 24-25 fiscal year, the SEC and the NCAA both separately are going to be worth potentially $1.3 billion dollars. And so it kind of got me thinking, look, the NCAA right now, I don't know anybody that really likes the current structure of college sports, specifically as it relates to college football. The NCAA does not own the college football playoff. Everybody kind of learned that last year with all of the COVID-related stuff that went on. Is this the beginning of the end of the NCAA as we know it, maybe unofficially, even if some of those bricks had already been put in place? Because if you have a league that is making more money than the NCAA is as an institution as a whole. What's to stop the SEC from saying, yeah, we don't really want to play by your rules. We don't care what, what you have to say. I mean, I don't know what the bylaws are. They've already been doing that, right? I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but now they don't have to like hide right. it, right? I mean, right. as a conference, if that's what this is coming to, and if if the SEC gets even stronger, what if they add other other schools, uh, other big media markets, and they start making significantly more money than the NCAA does. I mean, man, I I, I think it's not going to be very long before we wake up one day and college athletics doesn't look anything like what we used to recognize. I, I, yeah, I think that's already happening. And I think the SEC, in my opinion, dealt the final blow. It's like the NCAA is dead. They just don't know it yet. Yeah. And when you have the, 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 the leader – of the NCAA, and I use that term very loosely, saying, you know, we need to just, we need to rethink of, of whatever 
student athletes and just have very little oversight. Like, so you're basically just saying you have, you're just there to negotiate TV deals and run championships. That's, that's all you're, you're not an oversight institution anymore. Look, we had a, we had a very interesting and I thought fascinating five part series at Irish breakdown recently where, uh, one of my one of my work reporters went out and just did all this research on Notre Dame's history with the Big Ten and why Notre Dame is not in the Big Ten and why it's very unlikely that Notre Dame would ever join the Big Ten because of things that happened almost a hundred over some, at some instances over a hundred years ago. But when the NCA started, it was an institution that was meant to protect players. It started because there were double digit number of deaths of college players for, from football. And so the NCAA started as an institution that was meant to look out for players, and it's morphed into this monstrosity that that has no interest in doing what's right for players. I mean, if if they wanted to do what was right for players, they wouldn't have a one-time transfer rule the way that they have, in my opinion. That, that's not good for – as someone who's been a college football coach, having that one-time transfer rule is an important thing to, to help young people grow and develop as young men and young women – that's now gone. And we could get into why I believe that to be the case and, and what changes should have happened to the transfer rule. If they were really trying to look out for young people, the transfer rule would have changed, but it would have, it would have looked different. It would have said, Hey, look, you still got to sit out because we want to make sure that that you're really making a smart, thorough decision because there's consequences, but we'll give you that extra year back. Right? So you sit out a year, but don't worry, you get that year back. Okay. There's a lot of things they could have done. Other than just ah, whatever, we'll give you the one time. That was that was to me uh, a lack of leadership. You know, with with the NIL stuff, I'm a supporter of name, image, likeness. I've all I've written about this for years. I hate going into the bookstore at Notre Dame, and all of a sudden there's just these number random number twelve jerseys. It's it, they don't have names on the back, but it always happens to be the number of your best players. You know, you're selling them for 150 bucks a pop, and the players are getting nothing from that. You know, so I've always thought that there should be something like that. But the way that they did it just shows, well, we're not going to worry about it. You do what you got to do. And now we've got this mess on our hands where this team is doing it this way because they're in a state that's got this law. It's just that's the, the utter lack of leadership by the NCAA just shows how worthless and useless they are. They've literally said, hey, look, let me say this, ask you this question, Brendan. If the leader of the NCAA said, hey, we want to show we, we, we don't want to do this anymore. So what we're going to do is we're going to show how useless we are and how little people know us. If that was the decision they made, would any of the things that they've done the last two years looked any different? Yeah, that's a good point. Probably not. So it's like, well, why do we need you? You know, honestly, shouldn't there be some, I, I don't disagree with what you've said so far, but to, to counter it a little bit, doesn't there have to be some level of, of uh, agreed upon, you know, rules or, or some sort of governance to, to keep, you know, recruiting regulations in check, or, or do you just not care if it becomes see, a lot less? You're not pushing back on what I'm saying is because I'm not saying that there doesn't need to be an institution like that. What I'm saying is the NCAA is not doing that anymore. They're not serving okay. their purpose anymore. So they're useless to me. And so what has to replace it? And so to me, it's like, if this, if the NCAA is not going to do what they're supposed to do, then get rid of them and start just giving all the money that they're making for what they're doing to the schools and the schools can run their own tournaments or whatever. I mean, if you're going to be that useless now, I would, I would hope that there would be some sort of governing body that would do that. But I, I think it's time for the NCAA either to completely be overhauled 
or to be replaced by something that gets back to what that is meant to be. And the reality is, is, is what the NCAA is supposed to do, it doesn't do anymore. It should be looking out for the well-being of players. And, and the well-being of players is not just letting them do whatever they want, right? That That's called bad parenting, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, you, you don't just, you know, if, if your eight-year-old says, hey, I want to have pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and go to bed whenever I want, you don't just say, oh, okay, I love you. So I'm going to let, no, that, that's bad parenting, right? And that's basically what they're doing with college athletes right now. Uh, and, and that's not leadership. So, so what do you, it's kind of like that scene, you know, I'm a big movie guy, right? It's like that scene from office space where they say, what would you say you do here? Right? Like, that's what I want to ask the NCAA. What, what would you say you do here? And, and they don't do anything. And so I just feel like, oh, they negotiate TV deals for, and they run tournaments, right? Cause they do run all the other tournaments except for college football playoff. They, they are responsible for running all the other tournaments. Right. And so it's just like, you know, it, it's time for them to either be completely revamped. But at the end of the day, what also people got to remember is the NCAA is the institutions. I mean, the, the, the decision makers of the NCAA, for the most part, are college presidents. Right. So, I mean, they're, at the end of the day, they're, they're really at the heart of this. But I just don't see what purpose the NCAA serves anymore. I, uh, I, I wanted to uh, transition to a topic that this is um, similar to. Do you like the idea of, of a Super League in college football? I mean, we, we, might be, we might be on that track anyways. Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. And again, this is all assuming this is going to happen, but we don't really have any reason to think that it won't right now. Um, it almost feels like that's the first move that can't be undone. And now we're down a, a slope that, I, I mean, there's no world that exists that Texas and Oklahoma go back to the Big 12. I, I don't see that um, after they've essentially set the conference on fire. Someone called them arsonists, and I thought that was actually kind of a hilarious. And it started a decade ago. I right. Mean, really. Right. Um, so if they're going to leave for the SEC and the SEC is going to get mega, mega, mega dollars on their, uh, you know, on their next TV deal, um, it, it it's going to become far and away the best college football conference in the country. And I say that as a big 10 guy, if Texas and Oklahoma are able to get to the level that they should be at routinely, it's hard to say the sec won't be the best football conference in America. So do, do you like the idea of a, of a super league in college football where unlike other professional sports that have minor league systems, college football pretty much is the minor league system for the NFL a super league I've heard kind of thrown around is would sort of be like a mini NFL. I don't know if I necessarily jump on board with that for some of the reasons I said earlier, I like the regionalism of college football. I like the rivalries and the tradition and, and the passion that fans have um, of being able to in person know that their coworkers or their families and friends went to different schools. And I think we lose some of that, you know, if all of a sudden take the best 20 programs across the country from the best you know, biggest media markets and who cares if Alabama and USC and Ohio state are all in the same conference. You know, I, I, I don't like the idea of that, but maybe we're heading to some smaller version of it. You know, my, my thoughts on the SEC being the premier program. Number one is I don't know if all those programs can be great at the same time. That's, that's kind of my whole point is you can't have like six one-loss teams in the SEC, right? Because they're gonna 
knock each other off too much. And and you say if Oklahoma and 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 Texas become what they're capable of, well, it, there's always like give and take, right? And if they become what they're capable of, then Texas A&M and, and LSU become less. I mean, that's just that's but how it's going to work. But isn't it an age-old argument of um, – yeah, of course. You, you're you are what your record says you are. Right. But can't you, with the eye test, look at a team that maybe has four losses? I, I, and say I, but that's what I'm saying, though. Is like you start getting your butt kicked by Texas, they're going to start taking your recruits. That that that's what I'm saying. Is like you're you're, you're not going to be the program you are because you're going to start. Because here's here's what you said: if they become what they're capable of, well, if Texas becomes what they're capable of, they're going to take Texas a and recruits. That's part of the reason Texas A&M wanted to get away from them to begin with. It there's a lot more reasons than just that. Uh, you know, because people say, oh, Texas A&M is afraid of Texas. Yeah, they joined the SEC West because they were afraid of Texas. Sure. Okay. Yeah, it makes total <laughs> sense. Uh, you know, but it, it, that's just kind of how the – that's just how it works. There's only so many recruits out there, right? And and if they if some of those kids start going to Texas and Oklahoma that weren't going there before, well, who are they Who are they being taken away from? Well, that's my point. Not, but if they're not being taken away from Alabama and Auburn and LSU – But they're, they're going to have to be. I mean, well, that, but that, those but, kids are being taken away from Ohio State or from Michigan. Or, but if you look at geographically, they're not going to come up to Ohio and start beating Ohio State for kids, right? They're 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 not going to come up to Indianapolis and beat Notre Dame for a kid that Notre Dame wants, or Fort Wayne that a kid that Notre Dame wants. More often than not, it's going to be they're going to start competing because that's part of the reason is the SEC wants to get more into the Texas foothold from a recruiting standpoint. I mean. Uh, and then the, the Texas and Oklahoma think that they're going to be getting into the Southeast. That's where all the top talents considered to be from. Right. And so those teams also make up more of their rosters are made up by players from those regions. So that's how it's always worked. When one team gets good, somebody else falls down. That's just how it's always been. It's, it's, it's no different in, in, in any other league. Cause there's only, there's only a finite number of players that can be that good. And to your point, yeah, you can say the eye test, but I, I mean, if you're ESPN, you also need to be careful. If you're the college football playoff committee, whatever that's going to look like, you also have to be careful that you're not you're not saying, well, we're going to put an eight and four LSU team because you know they lost to the number one, three, five, and seven teams in there over a, a ten and two Michigan team because now there's a big chunk in the country that's like, well, why should I even watch this now? You know, you've got you've got seven SEC teams in the playoff. Why should I even watch it now? I don't yeah. think that that's what they do and. You know, to me, honestly, to get back to your original question, I think the future of the NCAA, and I'm not saying this because I'm on your channel. I truly believe this. You know me, Brandon, well enough to know that I'm not going to say something that I don't really believe. Amen to that. I think the future of the NCAA is going to be determined by the Big Ten. I really do. Does the Big Ten panic and say, oh, gee, they made a move, so we got to make a move? Or does the Big Ten say they made a move? Okay, whatever. We like where we're at. Or – you know, our moves are going to be we're going to reshift the divisions. That's the move I would make if I was the Big Ten. I say we got to we got to shake up these divisions to make sure that that the West has somebody in there that people give a rip about. Well, the, West, the, the in crossover games between the East and West in the Big Ten, I think the East. I saw this recently. I want to say the East is sixty six and sixty against Western Division teams in the Big Ten. But they've the East has never lost a Big Ten championship, right? And, and it's not it's not so much like okay, who's got the better? It's I'm talking about who are the programs in the West that people care about, sure, like, really care about. Like it, it's like Ohio State and Michigan have played how many times in the last decade for really the Big Ten championship? I mean, yeah. we, we've seen it um, even recently. I mean, was it 2018? I mean, that was for the Big Ten championship. Yep that that beat down. I mean, because. 
Ohio State wasn't going into the Big Ten title game and losing, right? right? Uh, I mean, they played about as bad as they could have played against Northwestern this year and still won by 12. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, First it's like, well, once ugly. you get there, they're, they're going to, I mean, you know, it, it's more about what are the, again, it's about branding, right? What are the brands in the West that, that we're creating? I mean, are we better off, for example, getting, and this is why I kind of like the idea of the legends that thing, because then you didn't have to have the geography in there that made sense. Sure. You know, you say, oh, we can put Penn State in the West. And then, you know, Ohio State and Penn State stop playing each other in the regular season and you know, try to set up that epic matchup in the Big Ten championship game. You know, I mean, you need to make sure Ohio State and Michigan are, are always in the same division. But, you know, maybe mix that up to where you can you can mess with the branding a little bit. I, I would look into things like that as opposed to, you know, adding teams. Because as we said, I don't know if there's a needle move. Unless you can convince Notre Dame and, you, you know, because here's the thing about the Big Ten. The Big Ten is the one conference outside of the SEC that is the financial wherewithal to say to make Notre Dame an offer they can't refuse. Yep. We'll pay your ACC buyout and we'll give you this, 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 this. Now, would the Big Ten be willing to do that? That's a different conversation, but they have the resources to do it. I don't, I don't know if that would even make sense for them necessarily because that now all of a sudden the money you would have made, you're going to lose because you got to make Notre Dame happy. Uh, because Notre Dame's not looking to join a conference. So I, I think if the Big Ten stands pat and says, we're not going to overreact to this, we're not going to do this just because they did, and then maybe they can do some things to help strengthen those other leagues up. I mean, that's something that Jack Swarbrick did. So you remember the first time we had this big super conference push about 10 years ago? Yep. Jack Swarbrick was a big reason why that didn't happen because he basically fought, con convinced a lot, hey, don't stand pat. You know, we'll, we'll we'll work with you here. We'll work with you there. Just stand pat. Here's why this is good for you. Who's that leader going to be now? This is, hey, we don't need to overreact. So if you're the Big Ten, if you're Kevin Warren, who in a very short period of time as commissioner has not shown me much leadership, uh, th there you go. So that I'd feel a lot better about that if Jim Delaney was still running things. But maybe Kevin Warren's like, look, man, he had a COVID year and it was jacked up and he's going through a lot of stuff. Maybe he's going to be better. I don't know. But I would say, hey, look, what can we do to help – build the big 12 back up? What can we do to maybe build the pac 12 up? You know, what can we do to make, you know, whatever the case may be, what role can we play to help build that brand? I mean, if you're the big 10, you're, you're looking at the big 12, you're with Fox instead of rating the big 12. How about you try to do some things to build the big 12 up? You get Cincinnati into the big 12. You, you know, that maybe that's your move, you know, get Houston in the big 12. That's a big market, right? Maybe you do some things in that regard to say, hey, look, and we're going to sign a deal with you. We're going to sign a Big Ten, Big 12 crossover deal, right, because we're both with Fox, where, you know, scheduling deal. I'm not talking about a financial deal, but a scheduling deal. So right. We're going to help build your brand up, you know. Those are things that maybe they could do to help. And to, In the Big 12, I just saw this yesterday. Um, I think it was only one of the top uh, 10 or 11 most viewed games involving a Big 12 team involved a team other than Texas and Oklahoma over the last three years. And that was Ohio State against TCU mm -hmm. when Urban Meyer was suspended uh, and, and that game was played down in Dallas. Um, mm -hmm. Essentially saying, if it's not Texas or Oklahoma, it's not drawn much of a national audience. And that's the only reason why I would sit here and say schools like UCF and Cincinnati and Houston and SMU, SMU's in Dallas. I realize that, mm -hmm. you know, that. Uh, they're, they're kind of an afterthought in a college football conversation, but they're in a freaking huge media market in Dallas. And if you put them in a power five conference and gave them some resources, 
maybe they build into something. Because then you'd have two teams in the Dallas area. Because TCU's in Fort Worth, which is the Dallas-Fort Worth greater area. You'd have two of those sure. teams. But you, you'd have to, to me, for the Big 12 to get where they needed to get to, you'd have to have Houston. You know, And again, what's the biggest, I believe the biggest state school, the biggest state school in the country, I believe, is UCF. I believe they have uh, more students than anybody else, right? Yep. Yep. Orlando's a pretty good sized market, you know. But would Florida people start watching Big 12 games? That's the thing you have to weigh, you know. But right. look, Houston would, SMU would, and SMU used to be that kind of team. I mean, you know, yeah. again, SMU used to be in the Southwest Conference. They've they've played, they've been a top five team, you know. Would they necessarily move the needle? I don't know. But you say, well, yeah, they may not make the kind of money your other leagues are going to make, but still, that's good money for them. For Houston, giving Houston an extra $20 million, giving SMU an extra $20 million, maybe they can then build up and become a better brand. But you're going to need a little bit more than that. You're going to have to try to – you're going to have to figure something out, you know, to, to get better. But I think that's where other conferences can can say, hey, look, we're not going to we're not gonna follow the SEC over the cliff. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Pac-12, here's what we're going to do. We're going to schedule a, a series with you. We're going to schedule some, you know, like the ACC Big Ten thing that they have for, for basketball. We're going to schedule a thing for you because what did you just say? What was the one game that involved them that didn't include it? Is Ohio State? Yep. You know, so 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 maybe the Big Ten goes in there and say, "Hey, listen, we want you to come with us, but we want to help. We want you to help us. We're going to try to you know build this up. Can you schedule some games with them? You know, and hey, we're going to schedule a series with you. So you know, Ohio State's going to play a Big Twelve team every year for the next ten years or something like that. That would make a lot of sense because the healthier Fox is, the better it is for the Big Ten, right? Absolutely. Amen. And and. And so I think there are things they could do like that that would show leadership that would make a lot more sense than just raiding two teams from the Big 12 that don't do a whole lot, a whole lot for you. Well, and and the bigger challenge then becomes um, what I think is somewhat insane on how far out some of these games are scheduled. You know, Ohio State has games, uh, non-conference games scheduled out like 12, 13 years from now with with Georgia, they've got Alabama on the schedule. They've got several several notable big name programs that they're going to play regular season games against. Can you afford, uh, you know, not not literally financially, but can can you competitively afford to go play another Power Five team? Sure. In a system where if you lose one game right now, it's really hard to get in the playoff. Yeah, but but that system's going to be gone by the time this all happens. It should be right, but but do we know that for sure? Because yeah, I think so. I, I think hope, this I adds. Right. See, I think this. I think this move adds to needing a bigger playoff because to your point earlier, you talk about it. You know, if the SEC is as good as people say it is, well, you're gonna you're gonna need a bigger playoff to give more of those teams a chance to get the. That would be the selling point, right? Well. Look, a nine and three SEC team is still going to be a top five team, but you know if it's a fourteen playoff, they can't get in. I, we're going to see college football playoff expansion because Brandon, what was the reason for college football playoff expansion? Anyone that says, "Well, it's because we need to," you know, that look, there's never been more than five or six teams that had a legitimate chance to win a title, and I would even argue that some years it's, it's has been more than three. Sure, I mean, like last year, for example, there were three teams that had Notre Dame guy here, right? Notre Dame was not going to beat. Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama in, yep. in two games. They maybe maybe they pull off an upset in one if things go their way, but they weren't. There was three teams that had a chance to win a title last year. And I would even say two because Clemson was a very flawed team last year. If yep. they, again, if they don't have Trevor Lawrence, that, that team's not that good. Yep. Um, they almost lost to BC and lost to Notre Dame in the two games without him. Okay. Uh in, in other years, I mean, there's been three teams. There's never been more than like five. 
right? You could look at, I think, 2018 when you had Georgia and Ohio State on the outside. That was here. You could say, look, there were six teams that had a legitimate shot, right? Those teams, uh, Ohio State and Georgia in 2018, if they'd have gotten in the playoff, could have had a shot to, to do some do some damage. But most year, there's not more than five or six teams. This is about money, right? This is about money. And so that's why playoff, that's why the playoff is going to expand. It's going to be about money. Now, is it going to be 10, 12? Does it go to 16 now? But the reality is it's not going to be only four teams. There's going to be more teams in it. And so now, depending on what the – but if the NCAA committee says, hey, look, strength of schedule is going to be a big part of what we do. We want to see you playing teams outside of your league. We want to have something to gauge you by other than what you're doing in your league. Then you incentivize those type of things. Because now it's like, well, look, we don't have to be you know, 12-0 and 0 to get to the playoff now. We can, we can go test ourselves. And, and I think then yeah. for Ohio State, for example – there's benefit to you because your league isn't strong right now. There's mm-hmm. a benefit for you to go play Oklahoma or to go play Notre Dame or to go play, which they played Oklahoma recently. They're getting ready to play Notre Dame in the next two years. There's benefits to you to do that because now you can slip up and make the playoff. Where right now in the Big Ten, because of the fact that the Big Ten's not a strong league outside of Ohio State, you slip up against uh, in October against Purdue, you're out. You're out. Yep. No, I I agree with you from that perspective for sure. An expanded playoff gives everybody a chance to at least have a hiccup and then feel like they can still recover, even if that hiccup is late in the season, if you put together enough of a resume before your loss. Totally agree. The reason why I didn't like the 14 playoff was was very basic. You got five power five leagues. You're you know that you, you theoretically value each of them uh the same. I think it's really dumb to put a playoff in effect uh, where you don't have an automatic bid to compete for a national championship by winning your conference championship at every other level, at every other sport in college athletics, winning your conference championship means something. But every, but every sport's not football. I mean, football is a different animal. And, but, I, but I still like yeah. knowing that if you win your league, you have a chance to play for the title. I think what we like about a lot of other college sports championship events is the chance that the little guy could win a game. They might not. Yeah, but who? But who watches might. those regular seasons of those games? That's the. That's the. the see, look, look, I would love to watch deal. Alabama play Cincinnati last year. I would have loved it. That's because you're from Ohio. <laughs> Most of college football wouldn't have cared about that. Here's the point that I would make. Number one is I think that the the thing that makes college football better than any other sport, professional or 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 collegiate, is it's the best regular season by far. Because an October game in West Lafayette, Indiana, can completely shake up the landscape of college football. It did. That's go, that's going away now, right? That's going to be gone. And, and to me, I like the idea of a fourteen playoff. I just didn't like the way that they did it. And and that's why I had the proposal that I came up with is I thought that'd have been a much better proposal because now that fifth that fifth conference does have a chance to play for it. You have, you know, if, for example, the Pac-12 has been the league that hasn't got in. Right. If you did it, so my proposal is basically is you take the this this the six conferences, right? Or you know, you have the five conferences plus the best group of six, because everyone feels that the group of six team, which is never going to compete for a championship, somehow deserves a, a seat at the table, right? Um, so you take the six bowl games they have now. And you get the, the conference winners in each of those, and then they play some at-large kind of thing. And now you've kind of got, you know, if you're the Big Ten, your goal is still to get to the Rose Bowl or if it may, maybe change it to the Cotton Bowl in my proposal. So that way you're not having two conference winners play each other. But the point being, the Pac-12 has a chance to play their way into the playoff now, to prove that you're good enough. But name me a year 
where all five Power Five winners actually were championship-caliber teams. You, you can't do it. There's always going to be at least one that's like, nah, they're not really there, right? Um, well, and it changes from year to that, year. But, but isn't part of that the dominance that Alabama and Clemson have had over the last well, couple of years? I'm not talking about the last couple of years. I'm talking about go back and look throughout history of college football. It's like, so for example, like I did a little bit of a, a experiment where I look back at the last time Notre Dame was really good, right? Which was from like 88 to 93 when Notre Dame and Miami were Alabama and Clemson of today, right? Okay. Yep. Notre Dame won the title in 88. Miami won the title in 87 and 89 and 91. The two years Miami didn't win it, 88, 90, are years they lost to Notre Dame, right? And so they were the premier programs. And there were over – so I did a sort of a what a four-team playoff would have looked like, You know, who were the four ranked teams. There were 14 teams in that period of time that would have made the playoff compared to like 11 or 12 now. It's not that big a difference. And you'd have seen the same teams year after year in the playoff for the most part with the occasional – team jumping in like we see now. And so to me, I, the, the game has always been top heavy, right? It's all, it, it's just, it's the, who the top is going to be is what kind of is cyclical. And so I don't think expanding the playoff is like, for example, going to 12 teams doesn't make it harder for Alabama to win a title. It makes it easier for them to win a title because now they get a bye week, right? They're, they're going to play what the, you know, the, the, the number eight, nine winner, which a couple of years ago would have been a USC team that Alabama already beat by 50 in the regular season. Right. I mean, I mean, USC went one and three to start the season in 2016 would have made the college football playoff as a nine seed. If, if there was a 12 team playoff, no, I don't want to see that. Right. I, I, I don't want to see that. So I don't care to see the Alabama five versus 12 matchup against you know, Memphis, the Western Michigan that we would have seen back in like 2016. I don't care to see that. You know, I I want to see the best teams play. I think the format to get to who, figuring out who the four best teams are should have changed. I didn't like the way that they did it. I didn't like the four-team playoff the way that they did it. I think there was a better way to get to four. But I don't think expanding to six or expanding to 12 to get these automatic bids because I'm a big believer that you don't earn a right to to play for a title just because you won your league because that doesn't that doesn't gauge how good your league is. I feel it's about you are one of the four best teams, and I I don't think I mean football is not like basketball. A UConn is not going to get hot in football and go win a title like they did in basketball, right? It's it's a different game. Um, you can't have just like one great player that just makes a a, a twelve seed. You know, like Loyola Chicago is going to make a run. You put teams like that in the big in the in the college football playoff in a 16-team playoff, they're going to get smacked. Does anyone think that Memphis is going to go to the playoff two years ago and beat anybody? No, they're not. They got their brains beat in by a mediocre Penn State team in the Cotton Bowl a couple years ago, right? There's been one UCF team in the last five years that could have could have competed with somebody. I'm just going to say, your, your points are well-received. And Boise State uh, had some teams back in the day that could have that's, done that. Those are yes. the two that I was going to bring up. But those are small you know, slivers Boise over the last State, 30 Oklahoma. years. Is like one of my favorite memories yeah. in football. I love yeah. it. So, Boise no, State had about a four-year stretch where they could have done some work in the postseason. I, I believe yeah. that. But but again, that's a that's a. I've always said this: you don't use the exception to define the rule, right? That that's Boise fair. window was a real short period of time, and then it faded, right? Because their head coach well, could went it have to been Washington. longer. But could it have been longer if? there was a system in place that gave them entry. You know, maybe maybe that helps them recruit better. If anything, it would have maybe shortened it because, you know, maybe then Chris Peterson would have left even sooner, 
You know, I mean, because that's the reason they were good, right? I mean, yeah. it, it they had a phenomenal Hall of Fame caliber coach, in my opinion. And once he left, they haven't been the, they've been, they've been a Mountain West team ever since he left. You know, and um, I I just you know, but again, that's the exception, not the rule. Let's uh, move to the uh, to the last question here, yeah. and then we'll kind of wrap things up. Um, you know, this this was a, another interesting thought uh, about how to maybe you know keep the big 12 from from running because right now the big 12 has one of two options they can either trust each other and and the eight teams that are currently still in the big 12 can actually band together and try to figure mm-hmm. out how to move forward together um but that's that's assuming they all trust each other because they trusted Texas and Oklahoma. And right now West Virginia has made it fairly clear that they're open for business mm-hmm. uh, and they'd like to join the ACC. So in, in, if you're a big 12 fan watching this, trying to figure out how to save your league, Memphis, Houston, UCF, Boise state, San Diego state. I, the, the last three don't do anything for me. Yeah, or the, mean, Excuse I, me. The last two don't do again. Boise's not a big market. San Diego's no. a big market, but not a college town. I mean, that's not even a pro town. That's a big TV market. That's not a sports town. My wife grew up in San Diego and she's like, we'd go to charger games just to hang out. I was like going to the mall. Yep. You know, I mean, there's a reason the chargers left. <laughs> there's a reason yeah. San Diego doesn't have a pro team. It's yeah. not a sports town. Uh, Boise State, again, we're looking at it from a football standpoint. It makes sense to add Boise or BYU from a football standpoint. It makes no sense to, to, to add them as a as a market because now you're just a you're a you're a group of six at that point in time. Yeah. I, I think Houston makes a lot of sense. I think UCF makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know if I'd I don't know if Memphis would be my pick. I'd probably push more for Cincinnati, but you know, I think that that's where it's tough is who is that 12th team going to be right i don't know if you can just raid the aac and just be good right they're going to have to figure out something they're going to have to pull a rabbit out of their hat with either a convincing one of their former southwest conference or big huh do they convince nebraska to leave the big 10 maybe 12 maybe or hey texas a&m and missouri you know, you never would have left the Big 12 to begin with if Texas and Oklahoma weren't here. So how about you come back? You know, but then are they going to turn down that money? Yeah. You know, because from from the things I've read about the 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 Texas A&M athletics people, athletic people are really upset about this move. But the the president is the one that drove it because what does the president care about? Money. Money. Yep. You know, and and so, but but could you know? But see, that's again where I think the Big Ten can really swing a heavy stick. Here is what can the Big Ten do to to add to the Big 12's brand? Again, and there's financial reasons for them to do that. Number one is you're going to get more, in my opinion, the Big 12 of building the or for the Big Ten of building the Big 12 up as opposed to poaching a couple mediocre teams from that league, right? And and because because again, why? Because of the Fox the Fox contract. Sure. You know, it's good for you that Fox is healthy. So what can you do to build the Big 12 up? Maybe you can, you know, maybe the 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 you know, Gene Smith and the president of Ohio State can go to Cincinnati and say, hey, look, you know, what do you think about making this move to the Big 12? You know, you do this move and then we'll, you know, we'll do this, that, and the other thing. So I I think Cincinnati would make a lot of sense. Um, I think Houston and UCF would make a lot of sense. Memphis, I'm unsure of. I'd have to do a little bit more research into that market and those type of things, but I you know, I, it's going to be interesting, Brandon. That's for sure. But I, I think that the the Big Ten is is the team that is the is the league to me that's going to determine whether or not this whole thing just everybody just goes off the cliff, 
or if they say, hey, look, let the SEC do what they want to do. Let them cannibalize each other. Yeah, they're going to make a lot of money, but look, we're making over $50 million per school, and then it's going to get better. If we build up our brand, if we worry about what we're doing, right, then we're going to we're gonna be fine. Big Ten's TV deal is the next one to go to market, uh, followed by the Pac-12 in each of the next couple of years. Those are hugely consequential uh, events that uh, are going to continue to shape what college athletics looks like. And, and you've got two, uh, two commissioners that have never negotiated TV contracts yeah. before that are leading the way. Yeah. I'm just looking forward to, well, hey, we have Kansas now. Give us more money. <laughs> we have Iowa State now. Give us more money. No, come on. It's, yep. No. I, I, I think this is going to be uh, – this, this is a clash of traditionalists in college football mm-hmm. uh, and those who – it's it's basically those who want to live within a preconceived set of rules um, and those who basically say, I'm going to think outside the box and do something drastic. Uh, and typically one of those groups wins, and it's typically the ones that are outside the box. And the other group can't imagine that it, you know, lost out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what, what we have come to know and love about college football might be fading and, uh, you know, I guess my advice to college football fans is hang on to what you hold dear and love and try to foster it as best you can because the landscape is changing around us. And um, again, I, th- I think we've said this a few times, Ohio State's going to be fine. Notre Dame's going to be fine. Yeah. This really is not going to you know, impact the competitive nature of their programs. Um, they're still both going to have access to a college football playoff and chances to compete for a national title. They're still going to bring in some of the best recruits in the country. They've still got good coaching staves. Um, this is this is where I think we, we need to see what the leadership of these institutions looks like. I, I think there's this is a good time for Notre Dame and the Big Ten to partner up, not from a joining the league standpoint, but to say, "Hey, look, we got to stem this tide. We can't allow Alabama. We can't allow the SEC." to take everything the way that they're going to go because they have all the advantages. If we just try to be like them, we're going to lose every time Yep. because of the advantages they have. We've got to do something different. What is that different? And that's the outside the box thing for me. I don't think the outside the box is let's go add these two teams that make no sense and it's not going to really work anyway, but it's how can we push back against this, what the SEC is doing. And, and those are the type of things. I don't know what the answer to that is. I'm, I'm not, I'm yeah. not the commissioner of the Big Ten, but those are the things that I want to see, though. huh? I, yeah, especially after what he did last year. But <laughs> you know, that's like you said. What what does Jim Phillips do? What does Kevin Warren do? What does Bob Bowlesby do? What is the new leader of the Pac? I mean, that's the other interesting thing is the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC all have basically brand new commissioners. Are they going to be like, oh my God, I'm 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 overwhelmed, and is it going to eat them up, or are they going to say, no, we're not going to let you define what we do? We're going to do what's best for us. If you think you need to add 75 teams to your league, then you go do what you got to do. But the Big Ten is, is different. We're not going to follow the lead of the SEC. And that's what I'm hoping we see from these conferences is like, look, we're not going to let you boss us around. We're not going to let you boss us around the way that Texas bosses around Oklahoma, right? You know, just kind of drags them wherever they want them to go, uh, which to me is like, how do you let your – could you imagine like Ohio State or Michigan letting the other – like just kind of tell them what to do. Like, oh God, I just have no respect for Oklahoma. It's like, yes, Texas, whatever you say, Texas. You know, um, but that's what we're going to see in these next couple of years is what kind of leadership do we really have in those conferences? Because if if there's not good leadership, then they're just going to say, oh, we need to expand, and so we're going to add a bunch of teams that make no sense to our league, and 
the Big 12 is probably going to get swallowed up. And the Pac-12 is going to add a bunch of Big Ten team, Big 12 teams that they think are going to make their league stronger. But I'm like, hey, there's a reason the Big 12 wasn't working anyway, you know, because Texas Tech and Baylor aren't moving the needle for you. Uh, so you're not really stronger now. Same thing to Big Ten. Or do we say, hey, look, we're going to do something different? Because there are things that we believe in beyond just adding as much money as possible that we still hold dear. And I think that's where Notre Dame and the Big Ten and the ACC – who do have a relationship with each other, right? You have the ACC Big Ten basketball thing to say, hey, look, we need to let them do whatever craziness they're going to do. We need to make sure that we're staying on track to what our mission is. And if if the Big Ten can show that kind of leadership, then I think they can stem this tide. If they don't and they just kind of follow along, then we're going to see super conferences and everything that we we valued is when it comes to college athletics is, is going to be gone. And look – we got to also understand what makes college athletics unique and what doesn't. And to me, whether or not players are considered amateur in the sense that, that the NCAA stupidly defined it for decades, that's not to me the tradition that we're talking about, right? It's more about, like you said, the regional aspects, the, the purity of the regular season, the fact that the best teams are always going to be the ones playing for titles. The fact that, you know, all those type of things are more about what we talk about. And if I think the big 10 can play a big role in, and keeping that or they can just follow along the crowd and do what the sec did and make some dumb decision that they think is going to help them. That's not. And then the next thing you know, the game is never going to be the same. This has been a great conversation. I think we've hashed a lot of things out and uh, certainly appreciate your input, your insight, especially as it relates to uh, the team in South Bend that wants to stay independent as long as humanly possible. But <laughs> <laughs> well, the big Ben would love them. If you want to come over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Uh, he's Brian yeah. Driscoll from uh, from Irish Breakdown. You certainly, uh, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you certainly know his work. And if uh, you're not familiar, you need to get over to Irish Breakdown and, and check that stuff out. Uh, and certainly if you're an Ohio State fan, BuckeyesNow.com is uh, is the place we want you to be. And, and we appreciate your time here this uh, this morning. Lots to uh, lots to follow here across college. Hey, and if you're Buckeye fans, you know I'm, I'm I've made a big push for helping with the receiver rankings to get a lot of those receivers ranked high because uh you know there's some kids in that class that aren't getting the love that they need to that I think are absolutely outstanding receiver. That's a heck of a class. Like Kojo, I wanted him ranked higher, you know, and and, and Keon Gray's I had him ranked pretty high. So uh so yeah, I gave a little bit of love to the Buckeyes. So there you go. <laughs> we that's my, that. that's my olive branch to Ohio State fans. <laughs> Oh, we appreciate it. All right. Uh, we'll see you again real soon, Brian. Thanks for your time. And uh, for all the latest on Ohio State and on Notre Dame, Irish Breakdown and, and Buckeyes Now are your spots. Appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks for having me on.